Hey yo, what's going on peeps? Welcome to episode 67 of the Fretzelmania podcast, The Deacon. I review Smackdown from May 9th, 2002. The WWE has gotten the F out. Test goes up against Mark Henry. Tajiri defends the Cruiserweight Championship against the Hurricane. Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle go up against Hulk Hogan and Edge. And Reverend Devon goes up against Triple H. With a debuting Deacon Batista. Oh. We are barreling towards the Ruthless Aggression era, folks, and it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Hang on. Starting off, as I always do, with a checkup on the red brand. Monday Night Raw on May 6th, 2002, from the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut, the former home of the now-defunct Hartford Whalers, who moved on to be the Carolina Hurricanes. And this, of course, was the first show under the WWE umbrella. We all know the story about the Panda and the WWF and the lawsuit that went on there, so I won't talk about it here. If you know, you know. And yes, 20 years later, it's still kind of weird not to call it the WWF, especially when I'm talking about slash reviewing shows from the Golden Era or the New Gen or even the Attitude Era. Kicking off that show was Jazz retaining the Women's Championship over Trish Stratus in a no-disqualification match. William Regal defeated Spike Dudley to regain his European Championship. Brock Lesnar, with Paul Heyman, defeated Planet Stasiak. Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam defeated Booker T., and Eddie Guerrero. And in the main event, Bradshaw, Ric Flair, and Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the NWO, represented by Scott Hall, RIP, The Big Show, and X-Pac ended in a no contest. I think this was when Ric Flair turned heel on Austin and became like the heel authority figure, the anti-Austin kind of deal here. He didn't join the NWO because he was the GM of Raw and that would just be Eric Bischoff 2.0, but we're getting way too far ahead of ourselves when talking about EZE. And SmackDown is not live. From Harbor Yard in Bridgeport, Connecticut, 10 days away from Judgment Day, and I'm still planning on having a special guest on for Judgment Day I was originally going to already have it recorded by now, but uh, certain other priorities uh, got in the way of that, so there will be a review of it, even if we have to circle back to it. So, like I mentioned at Raw, WWE is now WWE, 
they got the F out. So there was countless get the F out campaign ads during this time. And it was uh, kind of funny to look back on some of these. And they say, new look, same attitude. And a lot of people would argue if the WWE was still, in fact, in the attitude era at this point, because we are what? Two, three weeks away, if that, from the infamous Monday Night Raw speech by Vince McMahon where he asks for ruthless aggression from his roster. Kicking off this show is Stacey Keebler coming out to Kid Rock's ever-infamous cover of She's Got Legs. He then introduces Vince McMahon because, you know, she's... His personal assistant, his assistant to the regional manager, his his Dwight Schrute, if you will. And Vince McMahon, of course, gets all the booze, all the asshole chants, and he says, Hey, don't you don't use language like that in front of a lady. And Taz says, Yeah, Cole is here too. <laughs> and one thing I gotta admire Vince for is that he's he's old school. Yeah, you don't use colorful language in front of a lady, do you? And Vince asks Stacy to grab a mic for him. Of course, she bends over right in front of him, and uh, <clears throat> in the words of Mr. YLP, I am just a man. I am merely just a man. Vince McMahon calls Stacy a model employee who does what he asks. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Am I right, guys? Am I right, guys? <laughs> um, but some aren't. Like Triple H. I told him not to interfere in last week's main event, and he did. Um, he came out after the match had ended, Vincent. And uh, Vince says, yeah, don't come out here. Or, you know, don't come within 10 feet of me or there'll be serious repercussions. Triple H comes out and keeps his social distance at first. And then he's like, hey, was it 10 feet, Vince, or is it 9 or 8 or 7 as he inches closer and closer to Vince McMahon? So how close, Vince, until you destroy me or is it a load of bullshit? Stacy knows it's a lie. Just like when you say an old man like you can satisfy a 20-year-old woman like her. Stacy was not 20 at this point in time. Good Lord, Vince. Uh, Triple H basically implies that Vince McMahon has a small penis. <coughs> uh, Call Stacy and Nicole Smith. <laughs> and he's just... Uh, Waiting for the old man to die to collect a check. Uh, that reminds me of that bit from The Big Lebowski with Tara Reid. And if you know, you know. And Vince is egging on Triple H here and says, like, You think I won't slap you in the face and take you on? You think I won't do it, Triple H? And then, of course, uh, Test, Lance Storm, Christian, Hardcore Holly, and Reverend Devon surround the ring. 
and they jump Triple H, and Jericho here is fashionably late to the party, and it's a six-on-one affair. Hardcore Harley pays... Hardcore Holly, good lord, excuse me, pays tribute to the British Bulldog with a running power slam. I think Bulldog had just passed away at this point. I'm going to have to get my dates checked here later. Uh, Test has a pump handle slam on, slam on Triple H. Uh, finally getting that love her or leave her feud that we didn't get in 99 after, you know, Triple H roofie buried Vince McMahon on the eve of her and Test's wedding. Yeah, I'm still mad about that. I know Tess has been dead for 13 years. What? So Jericho slaps Triple H while being held back by the goon squad here. He gets locked in the walls of Jericho for an eternity. Triple H visibly taps out, and that's something that not a lot of baby faces did when they were locked in submission holds after, like, you know, in a non-match, you know, like, I think of Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle and their feud, and it's like, I didn't tap out. I didn't tap out, but he tapped out, but because he had the crossface locked in backstage, blah, blah, blah. And Vince then gets in Triple H's face while he's in the walls, while he's bleeding and gacking blood everywhere in books. Triple H versus Chris Jericho at Judgment Day. Hell in a cell. Then we see a recap of exactly what we just saw. And Kevin Owens stood in the ring saying, why are you showing this? Because it just happened. Good Lord, production was even crap back then. Kevin Dunn, and good Lord. Uh, Tajiri versus the Hurricane for the Cruiserweight Championship of the World. Tori is still reluctantly accompanying Tajiri to the ring here, despite being thrown into the way from a Billy Kidman plancha and Tajiri being ever the gentleman by berating her for getting planched by her husband. And, yeah, Cole buries the WWF, I mean the World Wildlife Fund and the Panda. You mad, bro? Cole, you need a talk. You need a hug. You need a cup of tea. Need a chat? Bro, my door's open. Come on. Come on down. Let's just uh, hash this out. Okay. Okay. Tajiri is um, sent out of the ring. Tori tries to help him, but gets shoved as a result. Then she says, sob this. I'm done with you. Gets up on the announce table. Begins stripping off her kimono and her, her other stuff. And uh, Tajiri is distracted by this because why wouldn't you be distracted by Tori Wilson stripping? I'm just a man. I'm merely just a man. Tajiri gets counted out. And this distraction also allows the hurricane to hurra chokeslam. Citizen Tajiri in the middle of the ring, but not win this title. What's up with that? Oh, and, uh, you know, Tori dumps Tajiri, um, obviously. Backstage, Vince McMahon is having a chat with Chris Jericho, saying, you know, his blood is on my hands, and I almost ended his career last year referencing the, the quad tear. Uh, that was something that was ugly. And Vince McMahon says, you know, I want to book a match, but with who? And out of frame, testify. My prayers have been answered. 
And if he refuses, he's fired. Is, is he here? Oh, yes, Vince, testify. He is here. Um, who is he? Is it the higher power? Is it Goldust? You know, he is coming. And no, it's not Veer, because Veer is coming the night after WrestleMania and is going to get the biggest pop of all time. <laughs> Next up, we have a 7-Eleven commercial with Rob Van Dam. Great Slurpee, wrong cup, as the young child grabs the rock. Uh, Slurpee cup here. You can also get Rob Van Dam and Team Extreme Slurpee cups at 7-Eleven in the year 2000. So, if you got a time machine, uh, go and get one of those and uh, pick up, pick me up like a PS2 and SmackDown. Uh, here comes the pain for it while you're at it, please. Thank you. Backstage, the Hurricane has a chat with Al Snow. Al Snow is wearing a t-shirt of the Spider-Man movie that was just released in theaters. And oh my gosh, um, yeah, I love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, with the exception of parts of Spider-Man 3. They just threw too much poo at the wall on that one. And it just, I mean, it was a mess. I mean, Saturday Night Fever, Dancing Emo Peter, no. Eric Foreman as Venom, oh, hell no. But I mean, come on. Um, Melina as Doc Ock was just mwah, perfect casting. And I love Spider-Man 2. I know William H. Macy is the Green Goblin in the first one. And it's fine. I actually loved that movie because it was, uh, yeah, major highlight for me in my senior year of high school. Yeah, that was a that was a damn good time. This ain't a podcast about Spider-Man movies. If you want to have a chat with me about Spider-Man movies, uh, hit me up. I'm willing to do so. So he says, uh, Al Snow says, Spider-Man is a real hero. And the Hurricane says that the Hurricane would beat him. And they, Al says, they make very special medication for people like you. It's called weed. And he says uh, to Al Snow, wear this, wear a t-shirt. And then the hurricane gets a note. Someone knows what he did last summer. I mean, someone knows his alter ego. And then Al Snow just shakes his head and says, like, man, it's getting weirder and weirder here. I mean, I thought it was weird that I was talking to a mannequin head. Of course, referencing his creative when he talked to a mannequin head, which was a very, very riveting television. Next up, we have Test versus the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. We see a recap over the past little while for this little feud where Test is this doubting Thomas, if you will, when Mark Henry is doing feats of strength that are not featured in the world's strongest man competitions where, you know, you try and push a car or uh, pull it when it's being like revved or something or you know, lean up against it with your with your feet and push it with your legs when it's being revved or something like that or bending a frying pan or bending a pipe. And uh, I know a guy who could probably do most of those things 
He's about the size of Mark Henry, and I'm glad he's one of my good friends because him angry would be one of the scariest things on planet Earth. What's up, Iggy? How you doing? So in this match here, Mark is constantly out-muscling and overpowering Test. And every little spot here is making Test angrier and angrier. And you wouldn't like Test when he's angry. So Test lands a lariat, and Mark Henry just does that bit that every big man does, that, that power kick out where you just bench press and throw the guy out of the ring. And Taz admonishes Test by telling him to hook a leg. Listen to Taz, folks. He's a, he's a smart guy. Test goes for a dive, and Mark Henry lands a prototypical version of the World's Strongest Slam, but it wound up looking more like a Jim the Anvil, Nightheart-esque power slam, so that'll do. Test goes for the boot. He misses. Mark lands a press slam and a running splash, and Test gets his feet on the ropes. Mark goes for a superplex. We're attempting to cave in the ring from SmackDown 10 years after this. But Test pushes Mark off of him, goes for the flying elbow drop, and that only gets a two count. A running boot is countered into the full Nelson, into the hurt lock by a Mark Henry. Test hits a low blow behind the referee's back while also poking Teddy Long's eye. Then he hits the big boot on the big man for the win. Backstage, Christian is bragging to Kurt Angle that he beat up Triple H, that he softened him up. Yeah, with six other guys. And he tells Kurt that it's a brilliant move to book a hair versus hair match because Edge was always afraid of being ugly. And Kurt Angle's like, yeah, I'm going to prove that he's going to be ugly tonight. Oh yeah, we're going to get a Photoshop promo, aren't we folks? Billy, Chuck, and Rico have an interview backstage and Mark Lloyd tells them that it's been an embarrassing few weeks for them, you know, with stink faces and Rikishi getting the upper hand on them and whatnot. With them getting pantsed and, you know, running around the arena with thongs and getting stink-faced. And Billy tells Mark Lloyd to shut up, threatens him. And Chuck says it took 23 facials to get the stink off of Rico's face. <coughs> Phrasing. And this is Rico's coming out match. And that he's coming out in style. <sighs> real subtle, WWE. Real subtle. Then we see Reverend Devon and a very familiar large arm and tattoo in the frame. Oh, my brother, testify. Next up is Reverend Devon versus Triple H. And we see the very large and imposing and debuting Deacon Batista with the collection plate. Batista here, you know, was just fresh off of his run in OVW as Leviathan. And if you haven't seen his OVW run, oh my gosh, talk about a beast book to perfection. Thank Jim Cornette for that. A lot of people hate Corny. A lot, a lot of people. Don't like the things he says, you know. I don't like a lot of the things he says because 
they're offensive, but I can't discredit the mind that man has for the business. Batista here is uh, making his first appearance in the company here with a a suit, but you know without you know <clears throat> sleeves. So he's got like a nice, it's like a nice tux grip. He ripped the sleeves out of here. He looks like a very imposing bouncer, but uh, he's a church deacon. And I've been on the board of many, a ch well, not many, a couple of churches. And no deacon looks like that. Reverend Devon, once again, misquotes scripture in his sermon. Though I walk in a valley of sinners, I don't fear temptation. I am a righteous man with great joy. And when God smiles upon you, me, I help you backslidden people. Blah, blah, blah. My follower here protects the Devon building fund. Yeah, um, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Isn't that how that goes Devon you need to you need to thump your bible bro like get get your theology on point dude and <laughs> Taz says that man they must have good gyms and church yeah um try going to a mega church try going to uh Joel Olstein's church or or like I did once uh James McDonald's uh in suburban Chicago Illinois that was like, that was bigger than the town I live in on the inside. All that money going to... Anyways, I'm going to go on a rant here. So, Devon says that he's going to beat the sin out of Triple H. I guess he didn't want to say the word shit. Because UPN would bleep that, right? So, Triple H here comes out head bandaged, walking wounded, all alone. If you get that reference, can of coke. At first here, this matches all Triple H until... Batista slams Triple H into the steps, hits a lariat on the outside, and holy crap. With the benefit of hindsight, if this isn't long-term booking, some three years after this, we would see them main event WrestleMania 21. What a strange, strange world this is. Then they would stink up the joint at WrestleMania 35 in one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my entire life. There is another bit here where Devon is working over the head wound. A flying headbutt is missed. Triple H gets a chair, but the Deacon jumps in. Jumps in. Triple H ducks the Deacon. The ref is distracted. Beyond all this schmoz, Triple H gets in the ring and hits. No, Chris Jericho. I'm sorry. <laughs> gets in the ring. Hits Triple H with the collection box and Reverend Devon pins Triple H. <clears throat> Reverend Devon pins Triple H in one of the biggest upsets outside of the Brooklyn Brawler pitting the game. In the ring, Kurt Angle cuts a promo taunting Edge with a bunch of really bad photoshopped images of what Edge would look like with a bald head. We're kind of getting a precursor to 
Edge's haircut on the short-lived TV show Haven, if you remember that, I'm sorry. Sorry about the short hair and the TV show because I didn't watch a millisecond of it. And then he says, hey, Mr. Clean lives. Ladies, he's single. Wink, wink. This must have been just when Edge and Val Venus' sister broke up. So, yes. <laughs> if you want to travel back in time and get Edge off the market, there you go. And while you're at it, PS2, please. Because I never owned a PS2 and I want to get it and play those damn old SmackDown games. Edge comes out here and returns the favor for Kurt by being a time traveler and giving us exactly what Kurt Angle would look like with a bald head. And when I see Kurt Angle with hair now, it really throws me off. Even when he had that little bit of buzz cut head in during a rough patch in his TNA run. And then Hogan comes out here and starts the build to King of the Ring even before Judgment Day because that's a match that happens. Hogan says you have a problem with bald people, brother. They represent the best champs in the history of this industry. Superstar Billy Graham, Stone Cold, and oh yeah, me. And if Edge doesn't get you at Judgment Day with the hair, then Mother Nature will rub's head. And Kurt Angle says, I hope Taker beats you for the title. There's only one real American. And while you were out saying your prayers, I was training to be the biggest success story in the history of this industry. Hogan then socks Kurt Angle, who demands a match later on in the show. That, of course, was backstage. Kurt Angle was throwing a strop, having a little fit, having a big old whine at Vince McMahon, and wanted a match. But instead, Vince McMahon books a tag team main event with Hulk Hogan and Edge going up against Chris Jericho and Kirk Angel. Next up here, the tag team champions Billy and Chuck with their stylist Rico going up against Al Snow, main event maven, or penultimate main event maven, and Rikishi. This is Rico's WWE in-ring debut. He had been accompanying Billy and Chuck to the ring for the past little while. It was very, very early in their run as tag team champions that Rico came into the picture here. And Rico has a black belt in Kembo Karate. That is actually a shoot. Rico was an absolute badass in the ring. Very underrated and saddled with this gimmick. And SmackDown Tonight is brought to you by Panasonic, Quaker State, and Sony's The New Guy, featuring that weird-looking kid from the movie Road Trip from last year. It wasn't good. That's all I'm going to say about that. Rikishi gains the advantage here, and main event Maven is tagged in, is nailed by, from behind by Rico. Chuck, the Chuck Deluxe. Mr. Palumbo hits and Taz is like, oh yeah, he calls that move the Chuck Deluxe, Cole. He told me that early today, man. It was just an overhead belly-to-belly -belly suplex. Rico keeps coming into the ring here to pick out the scraps and it is also referenced here that this is his coming out match. 
we get at WWE, I'm not even going to touch that with a 10-foot pole because it does not age well. It's offensive. It's homophobic. There, I said it. Rikishi lands a super kick on, onto Palumbo here, is, who then gets double-teamed by Maven and Rikishi. A stink face is teased, and it is denied. During this whole schmoz, and the referee is distracted by something else spot, because of course it is. Wheel kick by Rico, Famouser, all on Al Snow, and the champs win this match. Backstage, we see a interview with Randy Orton, who is just talking about him just breaking out into the business, had a little spat with Hardcore Holly, and cuts a pretty decent promo here. And Lance Storm walks into the picture here and asks if he could be serious for a minute. Tells Randy Orton that you had this business hand to, handed to you on a silver platter. You're only here because of who, who you are. You're only here because of who your family is. And before this match kicks off, we have the burn of the night brought to you by Stacker 2. That happened <laughs> earlier in the night when Tori stripped off her kimono and started stripper dancing on the announce table. Randy Orton comes up to the ring here to a pretty decent pop. So Orton has always been pretty popular, e even, even to this day. Some 20 years later, he's walking into WrestleMania as a tag team champion. And he's walked into WrestleMania with every other championship there pretty much is. And that is, that's historic. It's going to be a heartbreaker when he turns on Riddle, though. So I'm not going to talk about Mania yet. So going on here, uh, there's a special guest referee named for this match. And it's Hardcore Holly. Lol. And of course, Hardcore Holly is playing the stereotypical heel referee who takes forever to count Randy Orton, but also fast counts for Lance Storm. After a pretty decent back and forth te technical match here, Orton goes for a flying crossbody, which was allegedly his finisher at this point in time, I think. But Hardcore Holly has the uber-slow count. Orton is definitely taking exception to this. And Lance locks in the straight shooter, a.k.a. the Canadian Maple Leaf, the half-crab. And while Orton is crawling to the ropes to break this hold, Bob Holly then holds the rope back even further, so Randy Orton has no choice but to tap out. That was an awesome finish. Very creative guest referee screw job kind of finish. I wouldn't have thought of that. Then Valvinus makes the save here. So we have probably booked for next week. The team of Valvinus and Randy Orton versus Lance Storm and Bob Holly. And that is a big old smorgasbord. A big old who is that in the world of pro wrestling. Finally, the main event. We have Edge and Hulk Hogan versus Chris Jericho and Kurt angle backstage edge is standing in front of the mirror in hulk hogan's feather boa and the bandana and just for a second edge is a kid again he's 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 in a trance he's lost in time and he begins impersonating hulk hogan and 
does you know the Hulk isms with the things on because he's he's a kid again. Here we are. Edge was in the crowd at WrestleMania six, the Ultimate Challenge, Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. Go back into my archives for that with uh, with Travis Wood. What's up, Trav? How you doing, bro? And Ryan. Shout out to Ryan too. Can't forget you, dude. <laughs> so he then cuts the promo and then Hulk corrects them. And I mean, Edge is wearing. Marking out wearing Hulk Hogan stuff. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I'm not sweeping what he, the horrible things that Hulk has said under the rug. I can't discredit what he brought to the business. Well, besides horrible backstage politics. I mean, come on, Hulk, Hall, Nash, gave us the NWO. And ushered in WrestleMania itself come on but seriously fuck hulk hogan anyways this is a standard tag team main event on a broadcast television show hope spots heat spots hot tags and whatnot finally hulk hogan hulks up for chris jericho hits the leg drop the ref is pulled out and triple h sledge hammers everybody he goes on a rampage. The matches rule the no contest, of course. So Vince McMahon says, You want to try and hit someone? Try me. He's giving Triple H here an opportunity to hit Vince. Oh, and if you do, you're fired. Blah, blah, blah. But of course, this is a ruse for Chris Jericho to swing a chair right in Triple H's face and... End the show with Triple H being a bloody mess. That'll do it for this retro SmackDown review, peeps. And just a little programming note. uh, The next two podcasts are going to be dedicated solely to WrestleMania. I know in the past I've said that I won't dabble too much into modern pro wrestling on my reviews. But it's WrestleMania. I mean, how can I not, right? Uh... Every year when WrestleMania comes around, I I just feel like that kid who was going to my friend's house to watch WrestleMania 15 live on pay-per-view for the first time. And as I go further in life, it reminds me of the the end of the school year. Although, you know, I know it's only March or April, but the snow starting to melt. You know, spring is going to be here. Uh, WrestleMania season signaled the end of the college year for me later in life. It's like the season premiere. It's like, I don't know, the the Super Bowl for for football fans. That's what WrestleMania is to me. Even if it's a bad show, I have a good time either watching it with friends or family or watching it by myself, getting belligerently drunk, enjoying the show. And, well, I won't be getting drunk this year. A little real talk, um... Y'all know it was a pretty rough end of 2021. And as soon as the beginning of this year hit, I decided it was time to make some serious changes. It was time to start really watching what I eat and also cut down on my alcohol content and keep my blood pressure in check. I've lost 24 pounds and I would love to lose about another 18 to 20 more, but that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. But I know we'll get there. So next week, I'm predicting and previewing WrestleMania and even some of the other shows that will be going on 
during WrestleMania weekend. A little bit of Hall of Fame here and uh, a little bit more. The week after that will be a review itself of the two of the most stupendous two night event in wrestling history. Oh, and the night after WrestleMania, Veer comes. So I might just throw in the Raw after Mania as well. So thank you very much, folks. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast is, of course, available on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Follow them on Twitter at Addict underscore Wrestle on Instagram at Wrestle Addict Radio. We are Wrestle Addict Radio, also home to Mr. YLP himself, the Young Lions Perspective, the Kings of the Rings podcast who live stream every Wednesday night on Twitch and YouTube. About 7.30, your pre-show starts. About 8 o'clock, the main show starts. And it's always, always a good time, folks. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, our former podcast compatriot, our good brother, Matt Chapel, formerly of The Delight Show. Dude, I hope you're doing well. And hey, if you want to check out some awesome back catalog content, look no further than Matt's. Oh, and our, our stuff as well. Shout out to you, Matt's. Too sweet, bro. Hope you're doing well. So, TTFN, ta-ta for now. Keep your stick on the ice. Oh, and baseball season. Let's go, Blue Jays. <laughs>